Welcome back to the Sound Logic Podcast, and today we're discussing album number three on Rolling Stone Magazine's new 2020 500 Greatest Albums list. This is Blue by Joni Mitchell. Woohoo! This is a big jump um, from yeah. number 30 to number three. Yeah. Uh, I... and... Go ahead. No, you go first. I think it'll be better. <laughs> This was an album that took both of us by surprise. I'd been mm-hmm. listening to it for a few months before we recorded the review, but you sort of picked it up um, just a week or two before we began our yeah. review, and and both of us got kind of swept up in it. Yeah, um, it was the is it the high? It was the highest um, ranked female artist on the 2012 list, but all yes. the way down to number 30. Yes. Um, it continues on as the highest ranked female artist, but all the way up to number three. So it's, it's significant. Um, it's significant because Joni's also a fellow Canadian and, yep. um, and we really love this album. It, it, uh, it was so much of a labor of love to put together that first podcast episode that it's mm-hmm. actually three parts. Yeah. And um, why don't you say a little bit more Mike about uh, what that's meant to you and, and yeah. who joined us for that episode. Right. So we recorded that with uh with my lovely wife nora uh and since she's married to me and my name is mike jones she is nora jones so not uh <laughs> not the one that you might know uh grammy winner nora jones but um we wanted nora to come on because it was an album that as you'll hear if you uh if you listen to it when when we're done this little preamble we're gonna put all all three parts con- consecutively uh over the next few days you can listen to them uh, it was an album that was really important to Nora growing up. She listened to it in high school. Nora and I are, are music fans. We share a lot of our music. We always have. We've been married for 15 years. Uh, but I didn't know that it was an album that was important to her. And I was out in uh, maybe a month before we were going to record it, or record our review, that is. I was in a record shop. Yes, vinyl, because uh, I'm into that. Uh, and I saw a copy, so I picked it up. And so the very first time I got to listen to this album, I purposely didn't listen to it, was sitting down uh, with my wife and listening to it on vinyl. And it, not only was it great to hear it uh, on vinyl, uh, which sounds wonderful. Our, uh, our copy's not too bad. A couple tracks had a few uh, nicks in them. But to sit and listen to it and see my wife's reaction to it uh like visiting with an old friend and uh, just to yeah. see the expressions on her face the uh, tears at times um because this is an album that is just full of emotion uh, i f- i it's an album i've come back to and listened to many times since i find it it opens up uh emotional channels in me that often are closed i'm, I'm more of a closed person yeah, And my wife says she cannot listen to it unless she has reserved time to sit down and just have a good cry because it is so personal and so emotional that it just, if for me, if I get just these channels open up for her, it's like the floodgates. <laughs> um, and it is such uh, not only significant to her in terms of 
uh, her memories of it and her past, but just it is just a very personal album. It's it is one of the I think the most honest albums you'll ever hear. Yeah, um, musically it's fantastic uh, and such a pleasure to listen to, and is very diverse uh, in the way that not necessarily instrumentally, but in in the the way she presents her music and her her songs lyrically uh it, it is intricately woven i love it so much and uh i also want to say that you can tell by this album and other albums how many more women voted for this 2020 right. ranking yeah. and i think how many more people in general are listening to and acknowledging the incredible impact that female artists have had on music over the last half century. I think you hear the emotion in Nora's voice as uh, our guest in that episode. And, and I think the way that Joni's words have touched all of us in her lyrics and mm. her music as well. Um, since this is a three-part episode, uh, You'll get to hear part one today. We will put the next two parts out um, tomorrow and the next day. Um, but without this preamble, it will just be basically a straight re-release of those two parts. So we hope you enjoy and we hope you come back next time where we'll move on in the list. Um, up next is Stevie Wonder's iconic Songs in the Key of Life album. And um, we'll be back uh, next time to cover that one. We hope you'll join us then, and we hope you enjoy our previous review of Blue coming up right after this. Former guest Colin. Hey, Ben and Mike. This is Nora, just here to talk about Joni Mitchell. I don't think it comes as any surprise that I am thrilled that Joni has moved from 30 to 3 on this list. Obviously... I'm a huge fan of, of Joni Mitchell, and I think if we were to sift through different interviews from a lot of current musicians, male and female, her influence has been wide and deep, and she continues to, I think, just captivate people's minds and hearts with her just ethereal voice and raw and heart-wrenching lyrics. Uh, but more than that... And I know this is something that you guys will get to talk about a lot. It's wonderful to see this list acknowledge the place of women and um, people of color. And and to have a woman like Joni move up on the list is just a statement to the fact that there are women in music and there are women who have been at the helm of music creation for decades. And so... This is, in my mind, just like an omen for what is ahead for you guys as you explore this list, that you will get to see that music is a beautiful and diverse landscape, and we can see all kinds of people represented in it. Hey, everyone. Before you start listening to our conversation about Joni Mitchell's Blue Album, I just want to let you know that we had so much to talk about and had such a good time that we had to split it into not one, not two, but three parts. So when you're done listening to this part, we hope that you'll join us again for part two and then part three. Enjoy. I'm Ben, and you're listening to the Sound Logic Podcast. This is Mike. 
Each episode, we discuss one of music's greatest albums from Rolling Stone Magazine's Top 500 list. Brought to you by two guys with no credentials. Welcome back, everyone. Today, we are discussing album number 30 on Rolling Stone's list of the greatest 500 albums of all time. It's a special one for us Canadians. It's Blue by Joni Mitchell. And not only are we so excited to be talking about a Canadian artist, but we are excited to have a very special guest with us. She is the person with the most famous name that we've had on this uh, podcast so far. She is uh, my roommate of about 15 years, and she is also uh, a very gifted vocalist and children's uh, entertainer and seniors program administrator. Uh, she's my lovely wife, Nora Jones. Nora, thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks. No one get confused, though. Not that Nora Jones. Decent singer. Decent really? singer. Not, not <laughs> oh. Grammy level by any stretch of the event. That's why I said most famous name that we've had so far. Good. Just checking. Um, and no offense okay. to some of the wonderful and notable people we've had the actually famous people that you with, have had who, who actually <laughs> are famous but um i think this n- your name might be more famous no offense no offense to those people nora thank you so much and as we'd like to ask our guests uh how would you introduce yourself when people say uh what's your name and who are you uh what would you say to people these days um i'm a a, a wife a mother i work with children i've worked with youth i now get to work with seniors as well um and i love music and have been really lucky because some form of music kind of gets to happen in every area of my work right now so whether i'm singing to little ones in diapers or older ones in diapers pretty good gig (laughs) yeah by the end of this you'll have us all in diapers Oh goodness gracious! <laughs> I'm gonna at least uh, I would at least have Mike at some point in diapers. I'm assuming that's, that's true. Kind of the, the the end goal. Not in a weird way. Sorry, we're gonna be together a long time. That's what I meant. <laughs> it's great to have you, Nora. I think you're the guest that we've sort of had on our radar the longest, partially because you were a part of the early conversations when we were even thinking about this ridiculous idea of having a podcast that's going to take 15 years to complete. Um, and partially because of, you know, your awareness for this artist in particular, and also your righteous anger at the fact that it takes until number 30 to get a female artist on this list, let alone a Canadian artist. Um, so I think I think your, uh, just who you are is going to bring some fire and some passion to uh, this particular episode, and I'm really excited and glad that you're here. I, I've been looking forward to this for well over a year now. I've been enjoying enjoying the progression that you you two have been sharing. So I can't wait. You've stuck with us for a year, and you had a year really to bail on tonight. So we're, we're really appreciative that you've stayed. I I called dibs on Joni Mitch, so yeah, couldn't couldn't back out. Awesome. So the way we like to start off is always asking each other and asking our guests if they've listened to the album. Uh, Nora, we know that you have. So I would like you to tell us if you can remember when you first heard it and some of your memories listening to this album. 
Um, so I was really fortunate in high school to have uh, quite a lot of strong uh, senior girls within my high school who were just always looking out for younger ones. And um, one of the things that I loved about high school was connecting with other music students. And there was a lot of hanging out uh, in the music hall, in the music room, putting on records, sharing music with each other. And there was one particular uh, girl who introduced me to Joni Mitchell and to Blue specifically. And we would put put it on and then I would go home and listen to it too because I wanted to be cool. And um, But I absolutely fell in love with it. And we, we literally would just sit and listen. So it was just kind of a unique thing for me at the time to have other yeah. girls to sit and listen to female vocalists and just enjoy what they were doing. And I loved blue at the time and listening to it now as an adult is an almost entirely different experience. Mm. We were in high school in the late nineties, mid to late nineties. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah. What this music was not in any way new at that time. Uh, do you have any sense of which friend it was or how or why they were attracted to Joni Mitchell enough to introduce it to that circle of friends? So <laughs> I may have been in a little club called the Girls Coalition. Oh, I love it. It may have been spelt G-R-R-R-L-S. Awesome. Um, so we really, <laughs> there was an impetus to seek out strong female role models not just in music or in entertainment, certainly across the spectrum. So actually this group ended up being really formative for me because these senior students worked to have female lawyers, female mm. doctors, um, you know, just different female professionals come in to do, you know, educational or just motivational talks. And, and so again, seeking out female musicians kind of became like the thing you do. And certainly, I, I don't think anyone could deny that Joni Mitchell is sort of one of those flagship humans, mm -hmm. never mind the fact that she is female when it comes to sort of the singer-songwriter genre. Um, she wasn't hard to find. And it was pretty exciting once, you know, I was sort of had the door opened by other, other students to start listening to her. That's awesome. Yeah. Nora, you said at the beginning of this, that you used to sit in the music hall and listen to this record. Do you mean the like vinyl? You had a record player in your music hall? Uh, in the music room, they they did have a record player and it got used for a lot of things. Cool. Like I will also admit, I used to bring in like a Muppet CD and we would, or not CD, sorry, um, album. And we would listen to like a, a Muppets album on vinyl also. So I don't want to like pretend that I'm extremely <laughs> cultured or anything. I, was also happy to listen to like Mana Mana if I had the option. <laughs> well, we didn't have that. And, you know, I, I think that would have been cool. And you said you listened to it at home. Did you have it on vinyl at home as well? No, I think somebody burnt a CD for me. Those okay. were the days we were living in then. Well, it was the yeah. 90s. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Mike, you well, like that... records. Is that right? <laughs> 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 I've like heard something about that, I think. I do. Uh, I do like records. Uh, would you like me to talk about that? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, oh, I think as we're getting to our own origin stories, uh, it's interesting to me that Nora's uh, talking about hearing this on vinyl, and 
as far as I know, that was your first introduction to this album, or am I getting that wrong? No, you're absolutely right. My uh, my first introduction to this album is is also very special. Uh, it takes place only about three or four weeks ago. I bought this album at the record store that I like to go to. Uh, I also picked up at the same day uh, Carol King's Tapestry, so it was like a really good day. Very to get good some, day. Some some vintage vinyl and. Uh, Brian Adams reckless. So it was like a very, very good day. Uh, so I hadn't listened to this album start to finish. I knew a, a few of the songs. So the first time I got to listen to it was with Nora uh, sitting on our couch in the basement on vinyl. It was number one, really, really good. I will say, unfortunately, the quality of this particular record is not really great. There, there are some imperfections, mm. But even just some of the warmth of the vinyl was really nice. And then also to see Nora's reactions as I listened to it the first time, but I'm seeing on Nora's face and with some of the responses that this is an album that has a lot of memories for her and a lot of fondness um, as, as she's listening. You can see it when somebody is revisiting something they really, really love. And uh, you know, when Nora and I are both music fans and when you, are with someone for a long time, you learn about their tastes and you learn about the music they grew up with. This is one of the things that Nora, you and I had never really talked about. I didn't know that you had these memories. So as we're listening and we're, we had the, the record album open and we were reading the lyrics together and I'm hearing you talk about how much you like things and listening to it in memories. It was, it was a new, I never heard you share that Hmm. to me before. And that's not me saying, Hmm. you know, Oh, I'm upset that you never told me. No, it was exciting. Yeah. It's exciting to hear about something because another thing, when you're with someone for a long time, there's uh, sometimes there's a sense that there's really nothing new or you don't learn anything new about someone or you don't learn anything new about someone's past when you've been mm-hmm. together so mm-hmm. long. Nor and I have been together um, over 15 years. So uh, this was exciting and just really, really a special moment for us to share that. And for me, the first time I heard it, uh, not only on vinyl, which is really cool to me and something I'm into now, but also with my wife. So that's very, very special. And since then, I have listened to it a ton on my own and yeah. uh, really, really enjoy it. But the first time was with the beautiful Nora Jones. Oh, it was like a first date. Oh, it was. Yeah. Exciting. It's pretty cool. I'm still mysterious. I feel like sharing what I have to say is going to feel like a third wheel on a date now, but (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) this has been an interesting one for me. I, and I'm really struggling to figure out if I started to listen to this album before we began this podcasting adventure, or if it was after, um, I know that a a favorite, uh, sort of dinnertime listening, album for our family to put on is the con it's a live recording of james taylor and carol king and usually spotify will spin into similar kinds of music and enough Joni mm-hmm. mitchell songs come on sort of in that same space that i'm sure that was part of the impetus for me to dig into her career and i'm sure if i google you know best Joni mitchell albums you probably get a lot of suggestions that blue may be her best album so um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure how long ago it was that I listened to this for the first time, but it's probably within the last two years or so. And it may be as recently as the last year when we started talking about this endeavor and realized she was the um, highest ranked Canadian. Um, but but like you said, Mike, as soon as I listened the first time, I was just I was just swept up in it. And it's 
been a part of my regular music rotation um, for a while. I think I, yeah, I guess I, I'll hold some of these thoughts, but I was just amazed at how much her um, transparency and vulnerability, like almost immediately made me empathize with her story you know, even the first listen to the album. And, uh, and so I'm excited to talk more about it. Me too. Sure. Any other comments from either of you before we move to details? Can't wait. Details, details. <laughs> Unfortunately, we haven't figured out a way to like introduce that sound into our live recording. I, I hear it in my heart. I hear it in my heart. for sure. Well, I know we're all really excited to talk about these songs. So before we do that, let's talk about some of the details and then we'll get into it. Details, 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 details. So this album was released on June 22nd in 1971, and it was Joni's fourth studio album. The whole album, every song, was written by Joni Mitchell. On the charts, it went to number three in the UK, number nine in Canada, number 15 in the US, and usually we don't have any listing other than that, but we have also a listing for number 24 in Norway. Oh, random. <laughs> yeah, kind of random, but kind of cool. Um, the sales are certified at 1.6 million, which seems low to yeah. me. Um, a lot lower than the other numbers, but I I don't know. I, I don't want to speculate any of that because I don't really... We talk about this, about these numbers every episode, but I don't really trust them because it's just based on shipping yeah. um i don't i find it interesting but i don't know i will say i don't know where her music resides in pop culture today she's not going to be played on classic rock stations she mm. might be played i guess on like adult contemporary stuff but she's a little edgy f even for that mm -hmm. and none of these songs jump out as like you know major radio hits so it may just be simply that, you know, um, there isn't a, a new listening audience being created through this music right now in the same way that an artist like, um, you know, we've talked about Michael Jackson's Thriller continues to be mm -hmm. uh, purchased because his music's still played. Sure. And, you know, every Halloween, the Thriller video comes yeah. out and people buy it again. And uh uh, I'm I'm just not yeah. sure where that space is for Joni Mitchell besides um, just sounding incredible and beautiful and living on probably in, in different playlists on Spotify or Pandora or what have you. I don't know. Do any Either of you want to respond to that? Is there a space I'm overlooking that she would be found today? I think this will come up later uh, and we'll talk about it some more. So I won't comment too much now. I think you're right. And I think there's reasons that the sales are lower. Ooh. And the other thing, and I, again, I don't want to think, I don't want to get too far ahead, but we're going to hear some of these songs by other artists on a lot of different radio stations today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, these, if it's not her versions, it's other versions that have become very popular because of how good yeah. the songs are. Um, and maybe if if this particular sound isn't as relevant today, this particular way that she did the songs, the songs themselves are so good and relevant to artists, different artists, that they have taken them and made them relevant in their own way. So that I would say, I again, I don't want to get too ahead of the structure of you know how we're going to talk about this, but 
I think that might be a reason too, that if you then took the sales of all the other people <laughs> who have sold these songs, uh, it would probably be really high. I know we can't track that, but um, these songs have been very successful yeah. by other people too. She didn't win any awards the year it came out that I could find, but this album was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame in 1999. In 2017, National Public Radio ranked it number one on its list of top 150 albums by women. Oh, that's what we should have been doing. <laughs> next time. We'll do that next. next. next, as, soon, next as, soon as, as soon as next we're done podcast. this, we're going to do that right away. <laughs> you know what? There is there is nothing that um, the world needs more than two cisgendered white guys reviewing a list about women in music. I mean, I can't wait. <laughs> It'll be called Mansplaining. <laughs> A music podcast. Oh my god! <laughs> how about how about you do that, and we'll just produce. It. We'll produce it. You guys, yeah, you could be my my uh, my side. Cast. You know what? Yeah. You could do that, and then you won't have to wait for us to finish because that's going to take us like another twelve years. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Find find a, a competent co-host. Mm-hmm. A woman. I may even be living with one. I know. It'll take some arm twisting. I was just but... going to say. Oh, <laughs> that would be good. Um, and then another another list we can look into, Ben, and this is new for me. I, I hadn't heard of this. It was voted number 24 in Colin Larkin's book, All Time Top 1000 Albums, Whoa. third edition. <laughs> and when I saw that this book existed, Ooh-wee. my brain splattered all over the wall. And... Uh, I wanted to go and buy it right away, but I thought, oh, geez. That, but there is another list out there of 1,000 albums, and I'm interested to look into that list to see if it goes outside mm. of this genre because, like we said before, there is really not much outside of rock, blues, uh, hip-hop. Folk. At all. Yeah. Folk, right? Folk. Um, and and whatever have uh, genres have been spawned by those mm-hmm. things. There's no there's no country, yep. modern country. There's hardly any pop. There's hardly anything by women. There's nothing international. Mm-hmm. You know, think about some of the great artists uh, in the last few decades internationally. Uh, there, there's nothing there. You know, incredible albums that have been influential. Uh, it kind of sticks to, and I think it has to do with the people they pulled, but uh, anyway, so that's another thing we need to earmark, buddy, yeah. to uh, kind of look to, and I'd be interested as we go on to see kind of how uh, the ranking in Rolling Stone compares with the ranking in that yeah. book uh, would be interesting. Anyways. Um, the other thing that is coming to my mind as you're saying all this, Mike, is that I just recently discovered, thanks to um, Radio Lab. uh, Dolly Parton's America, which is oh, a so short mini series podcast on her sort of um, powerful feminist voice that I, I think because of my own bias had totally overlooked. She's not on this list, right? Um, even though she's no, created. She, she definitely should be. Yeah. <laughs> it's just some incredible albums and songs and um, totally overlooked perhaps for genre, perhaps because um of bias against her or bias against uh i don't know the people that they polled i don't know what to chalk that up to but um 
that's for another podcast, I guess. I mean, it, it could be beautiful, talented women. Some people aren't into that. Mm. So I don't know. Number 30. <sighs> yeah. Well, hold on. She has one. <laughs> she has one album on the list. Oh, okay. she does. Oh, wow. Well, that's good. Number How 301, oh, Coat on. of Many Colors. Interesting. That's so so she is there, which is which is good. It's better than nothing, right, Nor? She's literally written like more albums than years I have lived. So it's a little sad. Yeah. I won't argue with that. You're so smart. This is why our marriage is <laughs> healthy, I think. <laughs> Mike, you and I had been discussing album artwork. I know that's kind of one of the the details you like to dig into. And you'd said you'd had a hard time finding anything. So that I took that as a challenge. Did you find Ooh. anything between the time you and I talked and I, now? I, I couldn't find anything. Did What did you come up with? Ooh, so excited. Okay. So I found, um, okay. So just talking like briefly, descriptively about the album cover. Um, it's a, it's a closed tight cropped picture of, of Joni or eyes are just kind of slightly closed. She could be, mm-hmm kind of singing there um it and it is in blue scale um but it was a photo that was taken by tim uh considine and he apparently was a like a prominent child actor in the 1950s and a writer and an automotive historian and yeah and then obviously a photographer um and his aim with the photo was to sort of be both literal and figurative because you know, the album itself is very much this meditation on sadness and the blues and exploring, you know, complex emotions and expression. And that's what he had intended to capture when he took his photo of her. So there you go. That's great. I found I found a thing for you. Good. <laughs> Thank you. And just for as you're all. saying just as you're saying that, I had flipped open the the record cover and I did find it and the the writing is so small. They have all the lyrics on the centerfold because there's nothing there, nothing else, but um, it's right at the bottom. There is a, a, a photography credit there. Oh, that's great. Oh, it's, um, it's so simple and really beautiful and also sad. Mm-hmm. Like she, she does look like she's singing, performing, but she does look sad. Was, uh, at least say she doesn't look happy. Mm-hmm. we've had quite a number of albums where the artwork doesn't necessarily fit with the music uh, this one this image looks just as intimate um, and compelling as this music it mm. seems like a perfect choice for what's actually on it yeah oh yeah compelling and i think it's like the music inside it the image is complicated. She could be yeah. sad. Yep. She could be longing. She could be reflecting. She could be blue at peace. She could be blue. She could be a whole <laughs> lot of different things, which are all uh, expressed in the lyrics and the music of this album. Every emotion is here, <laughs> every single one, and all the different things to describe. Really, I think how how complex not only her life was, but any human experience. There's mm-hmm. no. Yeah. No human who goes through life and said, well, you know, everything was really boring and nothing happened. And I never felt it. like, I don't think people, I don't think that's how we experience life. And even for some who might say that other people would come and say, no, here's all the things that have happened and the things you've done. Yeah. And I think she expresses the human experience very well from her, from her perspective. Yeah. Yeah. 
We hope you enjoyed part one of our discussion about Joni Mitchell's Blue. Please join us next time as we continue to talk about this wonderful album. If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review. Send us a message at our Facebook page, on Instagram, or through our SoundLogic podcast Twitter feed. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed part one of that classic episode. We'll have part two and part three in the next few days.